and welcome to Curated Spaces, the podcast that explores the stories behind spaces reimagining how we stay, work and play. Join me, Molly Cooper, as I sit down with founders, owners and thought leaders to hear about their journey of bringing a space to life. Great spaces shape our lives. They inspire, nurture and connect us. But most importantly, they bring us together to share life's milestones with the people who mean the most to us. So whether you're a traveller, foodie or design seeker, join us as we celebrate the power of spaces and the brilliant people behind them. Today I'm down in Somerset in the village of South Petherton at the gorgeous restaurant Holm. Here food is driven by the seasons and the beautiful surrounding Somerset countryside with fantastic drinks and Scandi interiors to wash it all down. And I'm delighted to introduce Nicholas Balf who swapped big city life to bring this beautiful space and menu to life. Nicholas, welcome to Creative Spaces. How are you doing today? I'm really well, thank you Molly. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Um, yeah, really good actually. We've had a very busy week because we've had the first overnight guests staying in the restaurant last night. Very exciting. Of which I was one actually. Mm-hmm. Although I was slightly atypical because I worked dinner service, went up to my room, came downstairs at half six and then did breakfast service as well. <laughs> um, so like I didn't... Quite a 24 hours. Yeah, so I didn't have necessarily as much of a relaxing experience as some of the guests, <laughs> but it was... Um, really really interesting and, and informative and yeah. we're in the very early stages of testing before we do our soft launch the week after next and open officially um, open our bedrooms that is officially from the 8th of November. Well it's very exciting lots of stuff yet to come but before we get into the story behind this space I'd actually love to hear a bit about you and your background I know you've had a bit of a, a pivot in the last few years so I'd love to hear about life before home. Yeah I mean, I am from this area originally. So we lived in Somerset um, with with my family until I was about six years old. Uh, We then moved to Dorset and then up to Yorkshire. Mm -hmm. And then I went to University of Manchester before moving to London. So I've done a fair bit of moving around um, throughout my my sort of childhood and and early adult life. And um, as we were saying earlier, kind of you know, done lots of city life, you know, loved being in Manchester for university, mm-hmm. loved being in London. In my early 20s, if you'd asked me if I'd ever live anywhere else, I would have said, you're crazy, no <laughs> way, unless not. it's like New York, yeah. Barcelona, Berlin, somewhere like that. Uh, but it's funny how, you know, as you mature and, mm-hmm. and, and your priorities change and, you know, I've kind of done my fair share of, um, you know, art, galleries and um you know cultural pursuits and all night raves yeah. and all the other things that you get when you live in a big city and um surprise surprise got to that point in life where mm-hmm. I was ready to have kids and um we um my, my wife and I decided to um sort of have a think about a change of scenery and we were kind of gravitating a bit towards the southwest because mm-hmm. I had lived here when I was younger and my parents are in Dorset and um, quite out of the blue, actually, I got an email uh, from a friend of a friend saying there's this opportunity in South Petherton, mm-hmm. which I hadn't heard of before. Yeah. I'd, I'd lived sort of 
five miles down the road, but I'd never heard of this <laughs> really? this village called South Hurton. But it was the middle of lockdown and we were kind of thinking to ourselves, how are we going to orchestrate this move yeah. out of South London? And um, yeah, lo and behold, mm-hmm. this email came through and we thought, yeah. let's go and have a look. And um, sort of two and a half late, years later or three years later, here we are. And here we are looking out on that view here in South Pennington. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, I'd love to sort of set the scene then for people who are listening in and maybe also had never heard of South Pennington. Mm. We're here in gorgeous Somerset with these rolling hills and that beautiful stone. Do mm. you want to just sort of paint a little picture for people listening? Yeah, absolutely. So South Pennington is a quite sizable village. Mm-hmm. We are in South Somerset. So kind of bordering with um, Dorset rather than um, the kind of north side where... Glastonbury is, yeah. for example, and mm-hmm. Bruton, places like that. Um, and for anyone who has been living under the rock um, for the last couple of years, South, um, Somerset in general has a booming food yeah. community. And I think actually there's it's been getting a lot of interest recently, but actually that food community has always been there. And the reason it's always been there is because there's been people um, making and producing incredible food produce for many many years um it's as you rightly said there's rolling hills and lush pasture and things like that so there's a really strong um dairy industry Mm. in somerset anyone who's ever been to glastonbury festival will know that um you can get milk from the farm um for example on whilst you're you know in the middle of this incredible festival um which is what i always find pretty special um, and as a result, there's lots of incredible cheesemakers around. Um, we've got all this beautiful wild land around as well. So there's amazing game and um, lots of people growing vegetables. And I suppose perhaps because it is, um, you know, a little bit further away from um, the kind of big metropolis mm. of, you know, like in the southeast, for example, the, the yeah. feeling is a little bit different even in the countryside because mm-hmm. it's it's a bit more densely populated. Yeah. But I think, you know, historically the southwest has sort of been sort of slightly, slightly mm-hmm. less densely, densely populated. Yeah. Um, whilst we have got, you know, big cities and, and, and towns around. But it's got this kind of, um, I always feel like it, it's, it's still got this... Um, almost like an up and coming energy yeah. to it. And anyone who's lived here for a long time will probably, you know, sort of tut at that. Because uh, um, there's been people doing great things mm-hmm. here for a, for a long, long time. But I, I think at the moment, particularly, there's a real um, influx of creative energy into yeah. the Southwest generally. Mm-hmm. And I'm really excited to be part of that here in Somerset. Yeah, and I think it is such an exciting time. And I was with my friends family last night who were you know born and raised somerset and they were saying with you know with hinkley and all mm. these huge projects you've got going off there's just such an investment and energy in this area and that's really sort of manifesting in all these great new openings and absolutely places. Yeah. yeah yeah really cool and and i mean you know hospitality is is obviously my sector yeah. and i think you know hospitality and travel and leisure and that kind of yeah. thing has been a has been has been a sector where um whilst we've had it hard in many ways over the last few years I mean everyone's had it hard in their own way over the last few years but we've also kind of benefited from this um, uh, this kind of knock-on effect of um, investment in the area and also um, you know people taking their holidays Mm -hmm. sort of domestic holidays rather than um, international holidays and um, 
which was kind of a big factor in us deciding to open a restaurant yeah. here and specifically um, looking for a place that had mm-hmm. the opportunity to have a restaurant with rooms as well. Yeah. Okay, well, let's talk about that. So you get a phone call, you've got a space, you should come and check it out. When you saw the place, were you instantly like, oof, this is it? Or was it a little sort of like, okay, could be cool. Tell me all about that. Yeah, so it was, I mean, picture the scene. It was um, January 2020. January 2020. So I'm um, sorry to take everyone back to that point. It was pretty grim um, <laughs> for many reasons, but um, but uh, we'd, it would be it was that I think it was the Christmas where Christmas got cancelled. If, mm-hmm. if you remember that one, um, and we were told we could have it with our bubble, but then we couldn't or something. I can't remember. Anyway, um, so it was kind of like first of January, and um, I got this email uh, through from a friend of a friend's and um, telling me about this this building. Mm-hmm. And I sort of responded and sort of said, sounds great, I'm kind of keen, yeah. tell me a little bit more. Um, we, we very, my, my, my wife and I very quickly decided that we were gonna go and check it out, yeah. partly just because we wanted something to do. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> and we sort of justified it as a work trip. So yeah. jumped in the car, went down a few days later and um, met the owners of the building. Mm-hmm. Um, and they had, and bear in mind, this is sort of lockdown, so nothing's open, but they brought with them this picnic um, hamper with um, freshly baked bread, sourdough bread, and uh, venison sausages, Hello. and a wheel yeah. of um, Baron Bygod cheese, and um, and a flask of tea. And um, we just sat up in, in like, it, the building was basically derelict, but mm-hmm. we sat on the first floor in this derelict room, not not this room where we're sitting at now, but um, what what is now one of the bedrooms, and we just sort of had a cup of tea and some yeah. venison sausages and some cheese, Gorgeous. and just kind of chatted mm. and and um, we yeah just got along. We, you know yeah. we we all bonded. Yeah. Um, we had um, we're kind of different age groups, but we all kind mm. of found things in common. And, um, you know, chatting about life and, and, Mm. you know, Natalie, my wife was um, three months pregnant at the time. So we sort of talked about kids Mm. and those kind of things. And, um, you know, our landlords had kind of made a similar journey around that time, moved out of of London, come Mm -hmm. come to the Southwest. And um, so we sort of found this common ground and we we definitely saw the potential straight away mm-hmm. you know when i walked in the first day we walked in um you there the, you couldn't go in the front door we, we kind of went in the side door which wasn't a door it was just a hole in the wall um there was no floor beneath it it was like you know those kind of um like scaffolding boards type mm-hmm. thing that we had to walk across to get over this like open like i don't know what it was like they were refitting the basement yeah. or something um but instantly we walked in and we kind of saw this beautiful hamstone building, which is the local stone that yeah. you mentioned. And it's got this like beautiful um, sort of sandy beige tone. And this is in the middle of January, but it sort of still felt mm. like vibrant and yeah. energetic. And um, and even though, you know, it's chilly and not nothing was open and it was pretty quiet, we sort of thought to ourselves, you know, this is, this is, this is there's something about this yeah. that's going to be really good. And um, we kind of saw it as as a long game, basically. Mm-hmm. You know, we kind of knew we knew that there was going to be a hell of a lot of work that needed yeah. to go into this, and we knew it wasn't going to be an overnight success, and we knew that it wasn't going to be one of those things where you open the doors and you get like you know a dozen national reviews straight away <laughs> or anything like that. 
you know, and, and bearing in mind, I was used to running restaurants in London. Yeah. And, um, you know, Salon, my first restaurant, was very much a slow burner. Um, and over the course of the sort of first five years, you know, we really kind of like put everything into building a mm. reputation. But that work and that investment kind of paid off instantly with Levan, which is my second restaurant, mm. which is still going, um, still going strong. And, um, you know, it was almost like that whole five years worth yeah. of investment paid off with like Grace Dent walking in during yeah. the first week. Um, Jimmy Famuera from the Evening Standard walking in. Um, who else? We had the Telegraph. We had um, uh, the Financial Times, wow. uh, you know, all within yeah. the first sort of few months. And, you know, London is very, for all its, well, it has many brilliant qualities, mm. but it's very kind of, trends driven isn't it yeah. I think cities generally are sort of quite kind of yeah. driven by what's current mm. and um so everyone wants to be the first to check out this new restaurant mm. so we were packed from the word go and um and I suppose uh in the countryside or in in sort of slightly more rural environments life does move at a slightly different pace you know mm. there are lots of people around who want it who wanted to come but we were never going to get that kind of like um yeah. you know like barging the doors down sort of feeling and um so it's been a pre we've been open two years now and, and and it's actually sort of our game plan is very much sort of mm. this is a 25 year project you yeah. know so we've, we've spent two years settling in and making mm. our connections in the local community finding suppliers that we really love working with um m making friends with like yeah. our neighbors yeah. you know and um it's and we, 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 we always, I think we always knew that it was going to be a, a, a slow burning project. And I sort of said to Guy and Lou, who's our, who are our landlords, you know, we sort of feel like this is, um, this is something that we're going to be, I fully expect to be here mm. in 25 years. Yeah. You know, perhaps one of my daughters will be running the restaurant and I'll mm. be basically retired yeah. sitting on, sitting on the counter, having a glass of wine while they do all the work. And, um, and you know how wonderful to kind of like set 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 out that vision um, for the future, yeah. and um, and that's why because we're kind of thinking about this as such a long term mm -hmm. project, that's why we've I suppose kind of had the 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 foresight to mm -hmm. invest in in the long game. So because of that, we've probably spent a little bit more time and effort into kind of res restoring all the little yeah. details, or um, you know going the extra mile with. Um, maybe some of the things that you wouldn't even notice, but like the infrastructure yeah. of the building and making sure that we're here for the long game, mm -hmm. basically. It's so interesting you say that because I've spoken to a few people now who are exactly the same. They were in London having a great time, but just you know, any money you made went straight back into paying your rent. And it was this sort of like very quick nature. You make mm. something, you sell it, you do the next one. Mm -hmm. And actually people sort of thinking, that's not what I want to do. I want mm. to make something that outlives me, that I can mm. pass on to maybe family, maybe employees. You know, yeah. this idea of longevity, I think is so topical and yeah, it's super interesting to hear. Yeah, that. definitely. So yeah, let's talk about the design then. Because I'm yeah. a bit of, I love a bit of beige me, a bit of yeah. Scandi chic. And this is like heaven for me. Yeah. So <laughs> what inspired the design here? Um... We wanted to create something that felt distinct, basically. Mm. Distinct from um, what we didn't want to do was come down and try and do a country restaurant. Yeah. Mainly because it's not what I know. Mm. Um, as I said, I opened Salon in Brixton Market in 2012. Yeah. Um, 
then Levan in Peckham in 2018, mm-hmm. and then Larry's in Peckham in 2020. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're all kind of really um, sort of vibrant hustle and bustle areas where there's loads going on. And each of those restaurants had a really sort of strong um, identity sort of within its own mm-hmm. little world, you know. And, um, and I wanted to sort of try and bring some of that feeling to this restaurant yeah. in the sense that I wanted to try and bring a bit of that kind of, um, I guess like that contemporary feel yeah. really as much as anything mm-hmm. into the restaurant. Um, and but we were blessed with this beautiful old building with these incredible features. So also, whilst I wanted to have that contemporary feel, it would have been bonkers to ignore the period stuff. Yeah. So we wanted to try and find a way of bringing the two together. Yeah. And actually, I think that um, that uh, almost like the kind of dialogue between things like the old um, uh, the old hamstone lintel that sits above the fireplace, mm. or um, the I don't know the um, we've 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 sort of painstakingly taken all the layers of plaster mm. off the wall, so you've, yeah. you're left with like raw. Um, we've kind of we've kind of lime washed it now, yeah. but um, it's kind of it's pretty raw and yeah. sort of um, you know you can always see the history going mm. back in time on the walls. But then you we've you, that sort of juxtaposed with contemporary joinery, and we've used sort of sustainable English oak. For all of our joinery downstairs and we've got some contemporary art pieces as well and I think that interplay between the kind of contemporary and the historic yeah. makes it really quite special yeah and um going back to the hamstone again yeah that color palette of sort of sand and mm-hmm. beige is it, it it can at times feel a little you know beige is sometimes got slightly negative con- mm-hmm. connotations but actually in this context, hopefully it sort of feels, yeah. creates like a warmth and, yeah. and whilst it's neutral, there's a warmth to it, mm-hmm. and it and it kind of feels inviting. Yeah. So yeah, that's kind of how the design came about. A hundred percent. I think you've done that sort of marrying of old and new so well. And I love that feature you pointed out when you walk in and there's that little glimpse of blue from the other side mm, yeah. of the building and you've literally laser cut through, was it a bank vault you were saying? Yeah, so the building used to be a bank. Um, it was originally a merchant's house uh-huh. built in the 1830s. So it's a pretty old building. Um, the part of the building that we're sat in now was built slightly later, um, I think 40 years later, but still still like late 1800s. Mm. And um, and then it became a NatWest Bank eventually. Um, and actually when I first saw the building on the very first day we came here, the, um, the builders were knocking down the old 1960s concrete bank vault. Really? Um, which was outside where the terrace is now. Oh. So, we were, um, and they had these, I mean, actually, funnily enough, we've used the walls to create that terrace just down there. So when, if anyone ever comes to the restaurant, you can kind of see the history. So that's an interesting little example of the juxtaposition yeah. because you've got the concrete bank vault walls mm. forming the support of the that's terrace so and then blue lias, which is the original blue lias stone yeah. um, to form the kind of... Um, the floor of the terrace. So you basically got 1830s alongside 1960s sat together in a very contemporary design. And, you know, like it's just little details like that that Mm. I'm really glad that we've put the thought into it 
obviously there would have been cheaper and slightly more efficient ways of doing it but I'm really glad that we've made the effort to do little things like that and um but yeah so it was a used to be a bank it used to be a bank and in the middle part of the building um almost like a kind of um like a like a bulkhead type yeah. thing um was the original bank vault and um yeah we we laser cut a almost like a seam yeah. running through it so there's um because we get um, light from the morning um, on um, coming from the rear, and in the afternoon we get beautiful light coming oh, through the front. Wow. So the, that that seam basically allows the light from either side to sort of bounce back and forth. Gorgeous! And as you walk up the stairs, there's that moment when just all the walls like line up. Yeah. If exactly. your OCD needs a bit of itching, like come and stand there because it feels so good. <laughs> <laughs> well, then let's talk about food. I guess yeah. because people come here for. And you spoke earlier about finding all your suppliers and starting these partnerships. I'd love to hear about, did you have a specific sort of, I'm going to do this kind of food or were you just like, the food, we'll see what's out there and go from there? Yeah, I mean, we are very much, I think the food that I am excited by anyway Mm. is driven by the seasons. Um, And we are, you know, we're we're in in the Southwest here. And and as I said, there's lots of incredible produce around. And in a way, half the work is done with mm-hmm. that because it's just about selecting what's in season at this time that's from nearby yeah. and kind of putting them together. And it sounds really cliched, but but it's true that if they grow together, they go together ultimately. Oh, so, mm-hmm. um, and actually that's the kind of way our dishes work. Mm-hmm. So you'll find that, for example, on the mom- at the moment, um, we've got um, a dish with... Um, uh, onion squash and bitter leaves, for example, which both grow is actually a garnish for um, uh, burrata. And, you know, onion squash and bitter leaves, they grow at the same time. Yeah. They're in season at the same time. It's unsurprisingly, they taste delicious together. Yeah. You've got the sweet, earthy pumpkin, and then you've got that kind of mm. um, slightly bitter, kind of fresh, um, uh, bitter uh, flavour from the radicchio. Mm. And the two just sort of bounce off one another really well. Yeah. Um, what's another example of that? We've got some, we're doing a venison dish at the moment with um, red uh, red cabbage and kohlrabi. Pretty classic. Yeah, yeah. You know, we're not the first people to do that combination and neither do we need to be because yeah. it's, it works it really works. well. Yeah. And um, But, you know, those three things together, you almost, all you need to do is kind of cook them nicely mm. and season them and you've got a beautiful dish yeah. no matter what you do. Yeah. And I think that's the way I like to think about food and cooking it's less about the process and more about the um more about just kind of assembly in a way mm-hmm. you know um yeah. our food has less less there's, there's there are there are processes involved and we are you know we're a restaurant and we cook restaurant food yeah. but it is about the ingredients ultimately mm-hmm. and i think whether i'm cooking you know a meal for my family at home on a tuesday night or I'm, you know, we're doing a tasting menu here at work. The yeah. principles are the same, ultimately. Yeah. yeah. And I don't know about you, if you've experienced this in your what, three, four restaurants now. Um, I feel like there's a real shift as people are starting to wake up and look at carbon footprints of their food. No one wants to buy berries from like Kenya in, yeah. in the middle of December anymore. And people are trying to eat seasonally. They're trying mm. to eat more locally. Um, someone I was speaking to said that during COVID, he had loads of local people coming, trying to buy straight from him directly to like fill up their freezer with local produce. Yeah. And have you noticed this sort of shift as people try and eat more seasonally? And Yeah, definitely. I definitely, absolutely. And I think we, you know, myself personally at home, yeah. 
you know, it's, it's, it's the way that we like to eat. And I think we're not, it's not uncommon, you know, mm-hmm. ever since, um, you know, I think that movement's been building for a while and, you know, you've got big personalities like, I don't know, for example, Jamie Oliver and mm-hmm. people like that who've been kind of, or Nigel Slater is yeah. a big one who I remember reading, you know, his first books, I don't know, 25 years yeah. ago or something like that. And they're all about seasonality. So that movement's been building for right. a while, but it really feels like it's quite front of mind now, mm-hmm. which is brilliant. Yeah. And I think that can only be a good thing for um, supporting uh, UK growers. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I love bananas. Well, actually, I don't really like bananas very much, but <laughs> we always often will have bananas in our house, for example, yeah. or avocados or something mm-hmm. like that. And, you know, I'm not saying by any means that we don't eat yeah. stuff from elsewhere because we do but the backbone of what we eat mm-hmm. at home certainly would be sort of seasonal produce yeah. and and likewise in the restaurant you know mm-hmm. the only thing we do really is sort yeah. of seasonal produce and um and yeah I'm definitely noticing a shift and actually I'm kind of feeling as though now in the industry it it, it feels a little bit more like if you're at a certain level you know so kind of restaurants that I would associate mm. ours with sort of seasonality and provenance almost feels like it's it's your kind of like base level yeah. you know it's kind of where if you're not if you're not doing that if you're not going to the effort of sourcing stuff locally and if you're not using stuff that's in season mm. then you need to kind of up your game yeah. so, and, and, and that's no disrespect to anyone any you know if there's other restaurant operators out there some some people have made a choice to serve, for example, um, I don't know, cuisine that's inspired by other, other parts of the, um, other parts of the world. And that's great. But also we're also finding that you're getting UK growers Mm. who are, who are making the effort to grow, um, more, well, I guess varieties that are associated with other climates Mm. and they're finding ways to do that really successfully. I know that there's growers, um, in Cornwall and in uh, Sussex who are growing, for example, um, things that used to be associated with Thai and oh, Asian yeah, cuisine. Cool. For example, we use a company called the Dorset Wasabi Company who unsurprisingly grow wasabi in Dorset. Um, and um, there's loads of people doing, you know, the Isle of Wight's known for chilies, for mm. example. And um, in fact, we've got Padron peppers in our um, in our one of our beds down there. Mm-hmm. So I think we are, and they've actually been doing really well. Funny enough, um, yeah. we've had we've we've had huge success with our aubergines, and they're just out in yeah. open air. So I think um, maybe that's a product of like global warming or something. But um, but it's great, you know. Yeah. I think the 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 opportunities in terms of what we can cook mm-hmm. are kind of opening up. Yeah. And it's great to see that that's front of mind when you, um, for more people, I'm not saying everyone necessarily, but I think it's more front of mind for more people mm-hmm. in the UK and certainly the demographic of people that, that um, we appeal to here. Yeah, absolutely. And now looking ahead at the next chapter, I know you've got some exciting news, well, slightly news, but yeah. the next chapter is coming. Do you want to tell us a bit about the Well, uh, yeah, as I sort of, um, as I alluded to earlier on, we have, um, well, we're on the cusp of opening yeah. our um, seven bedrooms above the restaurant, which is incredible. I'm really, really excited about it. Mm. It's definitely put me out of my comfort zone, um, <laughs> something I've never done before. Yeah. It's definitely been a big project in terms of mm. investment and um, sort of logistics and implementation. And it's been something that has taken a lot of time and headspace mm. and a lot of energy from 
um, quite a significant team of people. I mean, it's yeah. it's a big space. I, you know, I know that seven bedrooms doesn't sound huge, but to get it right and to mm. do it in the way that we wanted to do it, yeah. whilst you know being respectful of the sort of historic fabric of the building. Mm using um, local makers and artisans to do things like the joinery and um, the ceramics and all that kind of stuff. Mm. Um, even just finding enough tradespeople to actually do yeah. the work has been, you know, somewhat yeah. challenging. And, um, but we, so it's been, it's basically been two years in the making more mm. or less, but we are opening in uh, about two weeks time. Um, so it's super exciting. We have got, um, yeah, bookings are looking really good. Um, nice. Really excited about it. Um, we've got loads of information on our website. Mm -hmm. if anyone who's listening wants to check it out. Um, the rooms, even if I do say so myself, look stunning. Um, I didn't do any of the sort of sourcing myself. With, um, uh, a friend of ours who, in fact, was the mutual friend that originally kind of hooked ah. us up with this project um, has has done all of the sourcing of all of the yeah. furniture. So we've got lots of kind of mid-century mm. furniture in here that we've, um, and, and well, it's a mixture of mid-century furniture. And then we've got um, sort of local, um, this is like a local woolen um, mill who are um, a company called Gather. They're, they're based in Somerset. Mm. This is a sheepskin from one of our suppliers, um, John Taysom at Otto Valley Farms. And he, um, um, supplies us with beautiful um, lamb and mutton and hogget yeah. and he also sent us a load of sheepskins so it's, and then our on the walls from um, you know sort of friends and um, you know sort of various local um, well sort of UK based artists <laughs> and yeah it's 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 all come yeah. together it, it's funny this is the first time I've actually ever sat in this room <laughs> today um, so it's really um I've got poked my nose in a few times and I'm like wow I can't believe how this it's has come together yeah. and then here we are sitting here recording a podcast in it I love it. And is it going to be very similar, sort of Scandi? Well, I keep saying Scandi. Yeah, well, it, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, Scandi. I mean, it, I, I, I definitely get what you mean by the Scandi thing. It's kind of minimalist, I suppose. Yeah, crisp, clean lines. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And, 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 you know, I think this, um, this sofa is Danish, actually. Mm. So very much Scandi. Mm. Um, but the restaurant, the aesthetic in the restaurant is, is very sort of stripped back mm. and kind of, yeah. um, and quite kind of, natural and raw um, and we wanted to take that feeling for the rooms mm -hmm. but also add like a layer of comfort and a layer of softness okay. so the rooms are um, they have that same aesthetic and they have the same principles yeah. but they have obviously softer furnishings yeah. and they're kind of warm and cozy and the rooms aren't huge but they're all really nicely designed and they've got lovely um, we've kind of emphasized little architectural features where we can and we've kind of been clever with how we've used little nooks and corners and alcoves to make sure that they're really user-friendly in terms of storage and stuff. Um, and yeah, as I said, I, I stayed in one last night and it was extremely comfortable. Yeah. Slept like a baby. Excellent. So, um, which is good considering I had to be up at um, yeah. six to <laughs> the breakfast service. <laughs> and um, yeah, it was great. Really oh, good. Amazing. Well, I can't wait to check it. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Booking. Yeah, please. And it's been so lovely to chat. Thank you. Before we do go though, I do have a game of dream spaces to play with you. Oh, nice. Imagine you won the lottery, cash that check, money's of no object. 
I'm going to ask you three prompts and you just let me know what space comes to mind. Okay. So number one is, where are you getting away from it all to disconnect and detox? Ooh, interesting. Um, well, well, I'm actually going to Greece next week. It's Lovely. a work gig, um, but I it looks incredible. And I like I love the idea of being on a Greek island, mm. especially one of those ones. What's the one? Is it Hydra where there's no cars? Yeah, uh, quite yeah. an idea of that. Um, but much closer to home, I love the Dorset coast. Yeah. It's absolutely stunning. There's um, there's some beautiful beaches along there. Mm. We go to a place uh, called Beer quite often. Oh, yeah, lovely. And um, really lovely. And um, yeah, so I think if, if not a Greek island, then the Dorset coastline somewhere. Gorgeous, lovely answer. Somewhere near the sea. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Beautiful. Okay, next one. Ultimate birthday party. Ooh. Where are you hosting it? Oh, interesting. Well, I had a really good, it was my 40th, um, not this year, uh, but last year. And um, my 40th birthday was pretty epic. We've got some friends who've got a kind of like a small holding just near Axminster. A uh, place called Mellow View, yeah. and they hosted uh, my birthday party for me. It was um, pretty special. Yeah. Um, they're they're wonderful people, but also wonderful hosts. Ed is a great cook, and he cooked as a beautiful oh. banquet. Um, we set up some decks and a sound system. Um, oh. There's no neighbours, so we carried on literally all night. And um, yeah, I'd quite like to do that every year, to be quite yeah. honest with you. <laughs> oh, so you've lived a dream Yeah, it, I think maybe if to, the only way we could possibly make that better is if we took the whole setup and all the people who came and all the people who, you know, for whatever reason couldn't make it and maybe just picked it up and took it to... I don't know, Bali or somewhere like that. <laughs> and um, spent a week doing yeah, it rather than just, just 24 that. hours. Yeah, just that tiny detail. <laughs> <laughs> and then finally, your once in a lifetime bucket list trip. Where are you heading and are you staying anywhere special? Oh, that's interesting. Um, where is on my list? I mean, I've never been to Japan and that mm, definitely appeals. Yeah. I, you know, and, and as anyone who's into either food or design or, you know, history or culture, you know, Japan is just inherently yeah. appealing, isn't it? It just feels so exciting. Um, so that's definitely up there. I love the idea of, um, probably quite cliched, but I love the idea of a South American road trip as well. Mm. Um, or maybe even just like through somewhere like Argentina. I love the idea of like going to Patagonia oh, yeah. and then working our way up to, to Buenos Aires or something like that. You know, I've never yes. done that part of the world. Mm -hmm. And, um, but yeah, that's definitely appealing. Okay. Maybe I have to wait till our kids are a little bit older. Yeah, that's what everyone always <laughs> says. They're like, just a month traveling. Oh, wait. Yeah, <laughs> Maybe exactly. in 18 years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, um, but you know what? My, 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 my travel needs, are, I am going to Greece next week, as I just said, but my travel needs are pretty, pretty modest, I think. Yeah. Take me to the Dorset coast yeah. for the day. Get me, a, get me a, some fish and chips Simple and a dip pleasure. in the sea. And I'm a very happy man. Doesn't get better than that. <laughs> oh, well, I hope you get your trip wherever you end up going. Thank you Enjoy very much. Greece. And thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thank you, Molly. Cheers. Thanks pleasure. for having me. Cheers. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Curated Spaces podcast. For more information and content around any of the spaces we feature, head to our website or Instagram. And don't forget to subscribe to have new episodes delivered straight to your inbox every Wednesday. And if there's a special place in your life that you'd like to hear on the Curated Spaces podcast, please do get in touch as we're always on the lookout for more brilliant spaces to share with the world. <laughs>